0: it's what they take took the time to discover for themselves and that independence that is given to them from the start is something i wish i would have gotten you know that that liberty that that liberty to be who you are not because somebody gives you and designates it's because you identify yourself that way you know you nobody gave it to you 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 recognized it in within yourself and nobody can take that away from you
1: Welcome to another episode of the People Plus Art Podcast. Today I sit down with Mariela Contreras, singer-songwriter, vocalist, and educator. We talk a bit about music, we talk a bit about education, and we talk about confronting social issues that are often neglected, not only here in the United States, amongst Latinos, but also abroad. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram, on YouTube, and on Twitter. And if you've already done so, let's get to the show. Okay, everyone, welcome to another episode. I'm so, so, so happy to have my friend, my musical colleague, someone I look up to as an amazing lyricist, an amazing musician, an amazing educator. We have the wonderful Mariela Contreras here with us today. Hello, Mariela.
0: Hola. Hola. Hola.
1: (laughs) Hola. Hola. So I'm so happy to have you on because, like I said, you are an amazing amazing songwriter And we're going to get a little get into a little bit about your music in a bit you're also an amazing educator and what really spurred on this podcast this episode in particular is we had a wonderful conversation about bringing a lot of uh maybe we could say issues that we're struggling with today not only as people and individuals in society but also as people of um at least i can sp- say for myself people of multiracial heritage multi-ethnic heritage and wow. how that translates into curriculum. And you yourself are an educator and we have a we had a wonderful conversation about it. And I thought, you know what? We need to have this on the podcast. This is exactly what this podcast was made for to bring ideas like this into this kind of discussion. And then I also just found out that you have an upcoming EP. So we're gonna talk about that and we're gonna talk a little bit about everything. So first and foremost, thank you again, Mariela. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to have you on the on the podcast.
0: I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much, David.
1: So my first question, like always, is where is home for you?
0: <laughs> like you said, that is a loaded question. Super loaded. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh are we, are we, are we going like can we go deep? Like from it's, the start? It's
1: where it's whatever <laughs> and wherever and however.
0: All right. I mean, so home, I think home is people to me. Uh home, home means means community to me. And it means um Wherever there is kindness, support and love, everybody's just simply there because they love who you are um, without any of the any of the modifications that you have to make your to, to make your yourself beautiful or or um, accepted you know
1: mm-hmm. What a beautiful answer that's an amazing <laughs> answer and I think that's something <laughs> I resonate a lot with as someone who has lived in many places here in California and things have changed a lot. Uh, but the one thing that always makes me feel at home is exactly like you're saying, you can pick up the phone. And for me, it was picking up the phone and calling someone that I know I can trust and don't have to be anyone for. And yeah. that can make me feel safe wherever I was, you know, it's so important. And as so- a
0: performer, I think it's, it's even harder because you're always performing and, and um, I mean, you're always performing to try and entertain people. Cause you know that that's what you do. But when you, when you are in a place with people where you don't really have to put on a show, you know, you can, you can be yourself and I'm not saying that you're a different person on stage. You There's authenticity in that as well. But, but you know, home is where I don't have to put on a show. I could just be myself.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> That's it. Yeah.
1: True. So tell us a little bit more about your musical career. Cause I, I, the first, one of the first musical experiences that we had, I have to tell this story cause it's the absolute truth. Uh, mm-hmm. A mutual, I could say friend, mentor, Uh, for both of us, Kamal Kenyatta. Mm -hmm. uh, He asked me, he's like, hey, we need a percussionist for this show that we're doing for Tonga, who is actually your fiance, one of my very, very good buddies. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to be at that wedding. So (laughs) Tonga was putting on some kind of event and they needed a percussionist. Of course, it's a yes. I love Tonga. I love Tonga's family. They're amazing musicians here in San Diego. I'll uh, link to their just treasure trove of music that they have on YouTube and actually around town they perform live now that everything's lifting. So he was like, oh yeah, Tonga's having a thing and Mariela's also going to be on it. Oh, great. I've never actually done anything musical with Mariela yet. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. I'll take my instruments, whatever. And when we started playing your original compositions, arranged with, with Tonga, right? Tonga did the arrangements? Mm-hmm. Yes. But the melodies and the poetry, the lyricism were done by you. This is some of the most beautiful lyricism that I've ever heard in my life, this blending, the the way that Tonga arranged the melodies and the lyricism uh, me, as someone who studies Brazilian popular music, Brazilian traditional music, which I believe to be some of the most beautiful music out there, lyricism wise and melody wise, this for me was right in there. The way that you write in Spanish and the way that you meld that with melodies that are not only accessible, but also extremely musical and very sophisticated. I was floored. Like I couldn't even really play the cajon or percussion. I don't even remember what I was playing. It was such beautiful, beautiful music. I wanna take this minute now to be able to let you tell me and tell all of us. So where did all this start? How did how did this start? Where did your style develop? How did this come to be?
0: Well, it started at home. <laughs> it started with people that I love that allowed me, yeah, I'll tie it back to that question, that allowed me to be myself. Um, A lot of, a lot of my music gets inspired by my, my search for identity and, um, and people like Kamau and people like Kamau, like um, wonderful educator Derek Cannon have always allowed me and always given me that space and, and told me, you know, part of the struggle is part of the lyric, Mm -hmm. part of the, the, the struggle and the, wherever I am in my journey to, to find my place in this earth is what I want to capture. Mm -hmm. I want to capture that journey through, through words and to, and through, through music. Um, And also removing some blocks, removing some fear, removing some, um, some, some little, little voices in my head that kept telling me that my ideas were not good. Um, Working through all of that.
1: I think that's, that's so important that you bring up how the road, to creating something like that is very difficult, right? And I feel like that's that's the same, just in terms of personality. The road to creating something like that is very difficult, right? And I feel like that's, that's the same, just in terms of personality, well, things that have happened as well. But it's mm-hmm. those challenges that constantly pushing yourself to grow, to combat these, what some people will call limiting beliefs, right? To combat these, uh, what I will call scripts, right? These ideas that Oh well, I'm not supposed to do this because I'm this type of person, or I'm not supposed to write this because I'm X type of person, or whatever. Really challenging these ideas.
0: Absolutely, it's just it's just who captures it. Mm-hmm. So let's say let's say um, I don't know. Two people are going through this same journey of self discovery and 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 trying to figure out what you are, especially when especially when you grow up in a in a mix of cultures and diversity. You, you kind of um, try to fit in somewhere, right? You, you try to fit in um, so that you can feel a, a sense of belonging. The way the way that I capture where I'm at with my feelings at a certain place in time is is through um, through lyrics and through music.
1: And what are some of these these challenges that you've really worked through in your lyricism, if you don't mind uh, no, sharing no some of them? With us?
0: There's this song called Pies en la Tierra. The song was very different before we showed it to Kamau. <laughs>
1: Oh, so Kamau he, was part of this too?
0: Well, he advised us.
1: Okay, let's, producer. Let's
0: that, yeah. And he invited me over to, to his apartment, and I, Jesse and I went over and showed him a very different version of this song. And the whole message, like the entire thing takeaway from that visit with Kamau was stay true to yourself. Stay true to yourself. You know, I was in the middle of like trying to make a cumbia, like it, w- it was completely a cumbia, but then. I wasn't really, I didn't grow up with cumbia. I wasn't really representing it right, whatever that means, you know? And we'll we'll probably get into that conversation later. Mm -hmm. But um, I I guess he heard that there, there, there was a lack of authenticity in the music. And we went back and revised the song and made it what it is now, which is kind of a fusion, which is what people in the frontera are
1: yeah a fusion
0: of everything and and I'm a fusion of everything San you know? Diego. So there just can't just be one thing. It, we in the in the border, you know, whoever lives in the border we're we're a buffet of people. It's so many blends. it's a it's diverse. and the music reflects that. It has to, if it's authentic.
1: That's I mean. very, very true. And it's something that's, it's very nuanced, right? It's like, uh, you know, for people like you and I, people who live here on the border and, and really, I would even say anybody who lives in any major metropolitan area, you know, yeah. when you have people up against each other interacting with one and one another from very, very different places and they make lives with one another, Mm-hmm. things start to blend in a very distinct kind of haphazard chaotic but beautiful way yeah. and to not pay homage to that when you're from that something always feels a little weird you know it's it just it doesn't you know and, and Kamal is it's interesting that Kamal was on it because Kamal has such a fine-tuned radar for that kind of stuff yeah. you know, he's master musician of course grammar Grammy award winning producer he knows how to mold th- these kind of things this kind of this this Mixture, you know, of many, many different things. And just for anyone who isn't aware, so we—I mentioned chicha. Chicha is cumbia, essentially, but from Peru, with a very specific kind of like, how would you say, Mariela? Like rock, kind of like I would even almost say maybe like psychedelic influence on the kind of music. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's cumbia. Cumbia originally being from Colombia, right? And there's folkloric cumbia, and there's of course like the popular cumbia that we know, but. Cumbia became very much this kind of pan Latin American, uh, form of expression, very much like salsa did later on after the seventies and going on to the eighties. Right. So, uh, you can find hubs of salsa in Venezuela, very much like you can find it in Puerto Rico and also New York cumbia did the same thing. So cumbia is originally from Colombia, but there's a very Mexican, Mexican cumbia that's very different from the Colombian cumbia. And then there's chicha, which is cumbia too, but it's from Peru. And yeah. it's very, very distinct, but it's all Colombian music in its roots.
0: Yeah. But yeah.
1: the type of music that it became is very specific to those areas. And those areas are exactly what we're talking about, that they're, for the most part, these metropolitan areas, but it's these mixtures of all these different experiences of these people just living life. And then they're mixing things together because we as people are that <laughs> we're mixtures, right? Like we're all in one way or another kind of mutts, I think, uh, with the exception of few of us and I think into the future I think we're all just gonna be muds, you know.
0: I, I think so too. And and what a what a beautiful what a beautiful place to live in. You know, music knows no borders. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that I always remind myself anytime I try to classify something so that I can understand it. I always think, you know, this person could have been on a trip passing by and wrote this song with this person, decided to stay and live there and created this new genre and mm-hmm. then traveled to Mexico. You know, exactly. something like that, you
1: know? So I say mutt with, of course, a, a lot of uh, cariño, right? Yes. Like I'm, I'm a mutt. So I just want to be very clear. This is going on the internet, right? This is yes. not, you know, this is not a a term of, Um, I'm not trying to degrade anyone. By it, mutt, I mean, mean exactly. we're crosses, right? So like, in, right. yeah, right. like we're crosses. I'm a cross. I'm, I'm a mixed baby myself. Yeah. Um, And of course, I'm not saying that if you aren't a cross of many different ethnicities, then uh, you're somehow not in the norm. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that, uh, for a a lot of times at this juncture point where these different cultures come together, things just mix because that's what people do. People listen to something and they like it. You know, people try a food and they like it. Uh, I think what Mariela, what you're saying is very beautiful in the sense that I think what musicians try to do with their music when they're being very authentic is they try to create those spaces of home in their art. And when they're being authentic, that's when you can really see what that space looks like and what that space feels like. And in this song, we can see that there's a little bit of everything because that's what you are, and that's what we are, right? We're a little bit of everything, many things coming together and, and creating something new.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and you need people like like Kamau and like Jesse to be able to see beyond what you're feeling, you know? Because I was super emotional when I was writing this song, and Jesse saw through that and was able to capture my feelings in the musical arrangements and in and, and in the melodic lines and everything. So I'm very grateful to to be to Jesse and. And um to people like Kamal, he's he's mostly human. And I think that's that's
1: mostly human. <laughs>
0: yeah. He's all human, you know? Yeah. Because sometimes we we look at people like that and we're like, you're like out of this world. You're yeah. you're 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 out of this world. But then no, they're not. They're actually closer to their humanity than any of us can actually be. And it's because they've done this work of of looking inward and going through maybe the traumas. So it is that people that did the hard work of um of searching that are able to see when you are when you are searching or you're 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 far away or you're close by. So I I'm, I'm just thankful to to people like like that 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 are here to guide us. Um I don't want to say younger musicians, but I want to say us um searching musicians, you know?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's just wonderful what you're saying. For me, the number one most important thing with music is what it means to somebody, how it hits somebody, right? So we can ad- agree and disagree on what amazing music is or what quality music is or quality art doesn't matter. It matters how it hits somebody. So a type of music can hit you a certain way and it not necessarily hit me a certain way, but what matters is that you're creating this connection with it. But I think in any of those respects, what, what makes it hit us is mm-hmm. that sense of authenticity. We're seeing something in that piece of art, that piece of expression that mm-hmm. is really just authentic is who they are because we're seeing in them that journey of mm-hmm. them going through those challenges personal challenges, artistic challenges, and overcoming those challenges. And you know, this is, this is my I've vulnerability. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is
0: where I'm being, I'm showing you that I'm human here. Here, mm-hmm. have it, you know? I'm letting you into my mind.
1: And that's why oh, the arts are so important, I feel. is because it's it's very difficult to, as a professor, one of the things that I try to do in all my classes is have my students realize that when we're learning about different cultures and their forms of expression, it isn't just about learning the names of instruments Mm. or learning the the ways that they call parts of the song. That's not what's important. Mm -hmm. What's important is that we're realizing that everyone has different ways of basically facing the same challenges that we all face because we're all human. Mm -hmm. We just do it in different ways. And it's about being curious and being sensitive to that vulnerability that we're seeing, whether it be in art, whether in the visual arts, I mean, whether it be in food, whether it be in music, expression, other forms of expression, it's all this humanity that we should really be always very conscious of, very sensitive to, and very curious about. I feel the the arts allow us to do that in a very, I would say, direct way. So at this point, what I want to do is I want to pivot to how all this works and how all this is at play in your work as an educator, because you're also a fantastic, fantastic educator. And like I said earlier in the podcast, we had a tremendous conversation about how we can start to challenge as artists, bringing what we know in our experiences as artists into curriculum. Number one, creating spaces where these these ideas, these challenging ideas can be can be actually talked about mm-hmm. and worked through, mm-hmm. but also doing so at a young age. When you can do it at a very young age, it's so important because then you have kids critically thinking about these issues that can show up in our society at large and have for many, many years. Uh, and, and what I would like to do is kind of let everyone listening in the podcast right now, enjoy a window into how you're thinking about creating these lessons plans, perhaps some of the challenges that you're aiming these lessons plans at, uh, and what you hope these students get out of these lessons Mm -hmm. and these experiences, because I think it's very, very important for people to know that it isn't just Oh kids need to learn math, kids need to learn science. It's so, so important how these lesson plans are put together.
0: I incorporate a lot of music in my classroom. Um, I teach Spanish and history and and science. and in fifth grade we learn about voting rights and we learn about um, uh, indigenous indigenous uh, people and we learn about um, las conquistas. We learn about uh, cuando vino, when sorry. I'm switching over to spanish
1: no do it it's a it's good we're we're yeah. a multi-lingual, multilingual
0: country yeah do okay. it go ahead um okay hablamos de italia de francia como so these subjects are not easy <laughs> they're definitely not easy to do especially right now um so music helps me deliver messages that would probably not be very pleasant to deliver. (laughs) I'll just say that. So um, by using songs like Violeta Parra, by using songs like Mercedes or singers like Mercedes Sosa, um, I'm able to show the kids the feelings of that time. I'm able to time travel with them in music to show and to have them hear what people during that time, during that time in that place were going through. So I use music as a tool to teach history and to teach um, Spanish because a lot of, they're so rich, these, um, especially Violeta Parra is very rich in um, in uh, figurative language, in personification, in um, similes, and metaphors. In-
1: Violeta Parra. Uh, and Mercedes Sosa. So so who are these singers? Just so people get an idea of, of who they are and where they're from.
0: Right. Um uh I believe Violeta, uh I know Mercedes Sosa is Chilena, right? And I think Violeta Parra is also Chilena.
1: So what I love about this is we have so let's say uh if I can assume for a minute, you have the majority perhaps Mexican American or Mexican mm-hmm. of Mexican heritage students, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So what you're doing is you're using South American singers and South American music yes. to allow Mexican-American and those of Mexican uh, heritage youth here in the United States understand periods in history and ways that people express themselves. That in and of itself is so powerful and so wonderful. Uh, I think here in the United States, there's a lot of tendency to see Latinos, or however you want to call it, Latinx, mm-hmm. those of uh, Hispanic. Let's say Hispanic heritage or his, Hispanics, however you want to identify yourself as monolithic, as being one thing, homogeneous, right? Mm-hmm. As being, if you're Latino, then you listen to mariachi or salsa; mm-hmm. those are your musics, right? Because here in the United States, we think of you know of Latinos as just one thing, mm-hmm. and and it's it's Latinos themselves that also do it sometimes, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of Latin people themselves that don't understand that South American music is very different than Mexican music, that's very different than Caribbean music. Yeah. You know, that there's islands in the Caribbean that don't speak Spanish at all. Yeah. Right. So it's so important to have even Latinos themselves be able to be exposed to these different types of music from all over Latin America Mm -hmm. uh, and the world in general to be able to understand different points in our shared history that is world history. Mm -hmm. Right. If not even just history here of the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's wonderful. That's a fantastic way to use music.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, in, in, in the journey to, to identify myself and try to find find um, my place. Um, you, you learn you learn that you sometimes fall victim to to that categorization and you you have to kind of rewire your brain to start realizing that um, you know no, not everybody's Mexican that speaks Spanish. It's helping the kids learn about themselves and question and be curious about like oh son chilenas hablan español. Están escribiendo este tipo de música que estaba pasando en Chile y por qué la están escribiendo. Eh, allá también llegaron, colo- eh, llegaron a colonizar. Um, so all of these questions and that curiosity that I spoke to you about earlier begins to come up. Mm-hmm. And those, and fifth graders love talking about these things, David. You know, they, uh, sometimes we think that kids are are too small to digest something. These brains are 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 pure they're full of imagination they they've got all the possibilities in their brains so when when you come at them and you show them a piece of art that might have been controversial at some point that captured suffering that captured the the that moment in time they are able to process it and they will be dead on serious about what they feel they will not hold back and i've had some of the best conversations with my fifth graders talking about all of these serious issues. So there, you know, that is my, that is my way of reaching them. It's hopefully through music.
1: And it's wonderful that you're just asking questions, right? Like, so, or from what I understand, right? Like you're presenting these, these pieces of art, these pieces of music as Mm -hmm. a way to spark conversation, which I think is something that we should be doing well, even into adulthood, you know, and in my experience teaching young, young kids, it was, it was such a refreshing experience to be able to hear exactly what somebody was thinking and Mm -hmm. then be able to ask them to think perhaps in a different angle, different direction. Mm -hmm. And it was done. There was close to no resistance to try to see things from different angles. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I uh, began to teach older kids, right? So let's say 17, even through some of my students were like in their mid-20s in the collegiate setting. It's very difficult at that point. It's very, it's much harder, you know? And even though that they you know, a lot of uh, students at that age are still finding themselves, even then, it, there's resistance. There's a type right. of resistance. There, there have been ideas and scripts that have been ingrained already into who they are. Uh, right. Some of these beneficial, some of these not so beneficial. Right. And it's, it's difficult, right, to have people understand, you know, okay, well, yeah, the, the colonial era has instilled in many different societies and nations across what we call the new world. Yeah. Ways of being and beliefs that are incredibly hurtful, that, that yeah. are in ways that we understand and can see very clearly and plainly and quickly today, and in ways that are more pervasive, you mm-hmm. know and, and pernicious. And mm-hmm. that's sometimes that's difficult. but with young kids, you know the conversation is much easier to have. What a beautiful age to have kids start just to ask questions, not to indoctrinate, but just right, to exactly. ask you know, have them ask, have them be curious about these things. It's a wonderful thing
0: yeah yeah thank you it, it's um it's made me learn a lot it's it's made me really really rewire and start start questioning my own my own biases and my own approach to to subjects like that you know and and it hasn't been an easy it hasn't been an easy search at all because you're you're forced to face your past and say you know shoot I've been looking at this from this angle for so long and I got so comfortable here that I am just not willing and able to move a little bit more to the right to be able to see this in another light, you know? And, and that's worrisome, you know, when when as this grownups get so comfortable in one place that we just refuse to get up and move to another place to look at a monument or something um, in a different light, in a different view. So yeah, I think I think your work, your work comes when you when you actually start questioning us, you know, the grownups to to start. I mean, you've done that to me. You've done you did that to me the other day. I went on a huge um, on just this huge search because I start you started asking some questions that I had never considered.
1: To bring it back to to the, uh, the principal point of the, the initial point of this podcast, that's what the conversation was. And it was really us both having this really wonderful dialogue about what I see to be multiculturalism, right? And mm-hmm. I'm not the only one recently who has taken issue with this. And this is something that has, uh, I think as a, as a child of the 90s, I can remember this being a huge thing in my elementary life, in my middle school life, and even into my high school life.
0: Mm-hmm. This
1: idea that there are these races and the races are distinct mm-hmm. and these distinct cultures and they are what they are. Mm-hmm. And they're all equal and we can celebrate them all which it seems like it's a wonderful idea. It seems mm-hmm. beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is when you see that enacted in real life, it becomes very, very difficult. Because mm-hmm. for someone like me who grew up in Oakland, I, I mean, one of my best friends is Filipino. Like I spent New Year's at their house all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I like it's that, that culture was very much a part of my youth you know, like growing, experiencing things with them and how they experience and what that culture feels like growing up in Oakland, there's all these different cultures, you know, like I'm Latino, of course, but there's so many different things going on in, in those kind of areas, meaning that these lines blend,
0: you mm-hmm. know,
1: and the biggest thing and the most difficult thing is when you have situations that contest these supposedly distinct lines, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens when you see someone Uh, You brought up such a wonderful example of, let's say someone, you know, who presents very light skinned,
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: they look European, but they speak perfect Spanish, Mm -hmm. you know, then the idea that goes off in your mind is, well, this doesn't fit, you know, Latinos are supposed to look like me. They're supposed to have dark hair and like dark skin or semi dark skin or whatever, and they act a certain way. But this Mm -hmm. person doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. This person doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. And that can be very difficult to change. The Mm -hmm. idea that people fit in boxes right when people are chaotic you know it doesn't mean that distinct cultures don't exist they exist but people can be in many cultures at the same time and it doesn't make them any less latino right right Right. Uh, latinos living here in the united states some of them don't speak spanish should we look at them as less latino than someone who does speak spanish exactly it's, it's these questions can lead to very difficult situations for a lot of people. Yeah, and, and it—I think it sums up the um, the experience of a growing number of people around the globe uh, yeah. that they find themselves not only in diaspora communities, uh, mm-hmm. but also communities of color, not only here in the United States, but even in Latin America and across the world, and and other, many other places where they're struggling with the same. I would say types of struggles and questions that you were talking about earlier with respect to your music. Who am I? What Mm -hmm. is my identity? Why do I think this of myself? Uh, And where do I fit? You know, and
0: you know, to to add to that, is the definition of myself one that I gave myself or one that was given to me?
1: Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm.
0: So, um, so, so with the kids, we explore identity and intersectionality a lot, and we, um, and we start with the project. where, they, where we ask them, who are you? We asked them this question four times, every single unit. So yo quien eres, so yo, quien eres? Eres? eres, and by the fourth time we ask them, which is the fourth unit, the end of the year, you see their responses throughout the year. And at the very beginning, they give you like a surface level, you know, pretty um generic way of describing themselves. But when they get to the end of the year. I mean not that they get to know themselves and they don't know they just give you a way more profound and deep definition of who they are. And and it's not like what they what their family tells them they are. It's um it's what they take took the time to discover for themselves. And that independence that is given to them from the start is something I wish I would have gotten. You know that that liberty, that that Liberty to be who you are, not because somebody gives you and designates that definition. It's because you identify yourself that way. You know, you, nobody gave it to you. You, you recognized it in within yourself and nobody can take that away from you. It's something that I just recently went through. Um, And it was confusing. It was very confusing because other people were defining me, but then I, I, I knew that that was I didn't fit into that box. I didn't fit into, I don't, I, I've never fit into the, you know, Mexican, Mexican individual because I grew up in the United States, but I grew up in the border, but I grew up going to Mexico. So I've never, ever been able, even as a Mexican, my, both of my parents are are from Tijuana. I never fit in to Tijuana people. I never fit into, um, I mean, I did at some point, but it, it wasn't really me. And um, with people in the U.S., I wasn't really fitting as well. So I had to find a place where I would be accepted, where I could be who I was and where I could actually ask those uncomfortable questions of who am I like and and can I can I just thrive being who I am?
1: And that's that's you bring up an important point that I think is not talked about a lot, if at all. When you say that you grew up in this kind of gray area and you weren't like you said, the Tijuana people, the people from Tijuana, mm-hmm. that is not you saying that you don't like them. That is not you exactly. saying that there's any hate. That's not saying, you know, that you dislike them. Exactly. It's just a different experience. And and on top of that, that's also to say that, I mean, one of the things that's really lacking in literature, I'm speaking as an academic now, I just mm-hmm. finished my, uh, my dissertation mm-hmm. uh, for my doctoral dissertation. A big part of it, one of the chapters was talking about this type of gray area that we have when we talk about, I mean, the only thing that I could call it was intra racial hate. It's not even racial, it's cultural, whatever you want to call it. There's a gray area. There's, we don't even have a term for it, Mm -hmm. but it's Mexicans calling Mexican Americans pochos. Mm -hmm. That happens. That Mm -hmm. happens. And there's a lot of hate from, I can't talk about other nationalities because I did not grow up in that way. But right. as someone who grew up with a particular half of my uh, family of Mexican American descent, Mexican descent, mm-hmm. there was this type of animosity. Um, there was also a particular type of animosity from one uh, Latin national group to another. You know, mm-hmm. it, there's this type of intra Latin hate that happens a lot that I think really needs to be talked about and really needs to be confronted because it's extremely detrimental for kids. Yeah. I mean, how can you? grow up with any sense of belonging if you have right. all of this pressure from all these different places, right? This yes. is something that's very hallmark of the, La- the Latin American experience, specifically Latinos in the United States who were born from immigrant parents, right? right. It's here in the United States, as well as there's four communities across the globe. Uh, in England, there's Indians, uh, people that immigrated from India into the UK, And they have a strong presence in the UK and they deal with similar issues there as well. Mm -hmm. It's this kind of like transnational movement of people Mm -hmm. that we have this very distinct gray area that I I really think needs to be talked about. And I think it's such a wonderful place for your students in your class to be able to talk about this stuff because I'm going to go out on a limb here Mm
0: -hmm. and say
1: that I believe that's the way that we get over racism. That's the way we get over xenophobia is the ability to critically think about these things Mm-hmm. And think about them, not from a place of fear, but from a place of curiosity mm-hmm. at a very young age. And mm-hmm. we instill that in our kids and we develop that and really push our kids to remain curious about other people well until adulthood. Mm-hmm. So instead of looking at somebody and saying, well, you're this type of person, so you're in that box, right? we say, what are your life experiences? Like, what are the things that you go through? Why do you do this this way? Why does your music sound this way? Why does your art look this way? What are the ways that you confront the same challenges that I confront, Mm -hmm. but we have different uh, solutions to them, right? That's, to me, in my experience as a performer, but also as an educator, that's how we confront these things. And it starts with our education, with our little ones. It's so important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Having the spaces and the talks, like what you're doing right now, what you're doing with your podcast, creating a space for these conversations, um, creating a safe space for these conversations to be able to ask maybe questions that you don't know if you should ask. You don't know if you're offending somebody if you ask that question, but being in a place where you can actually ask that question where you're kind of ashamed to ask it um, and not feeling shame for asking it, um, I think that's, that's important. And, and you know, in, in my classroom, I'm I'm hoping to create that space it's like safe space you know you can ask literally anything I might not have the answer but I will always 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 keep curious with you I will walk in curiosity with you and we will so- we will find this out and create a routine in processing these tough conversations that will hopefully one day create individuals that um, will provide equity and provide inclusion Thank you so much, David. Thank you. Thank you so much for creating these spaces to be able to talk about um, about about all of these issues.
1: Thank of course. You so much. It's important. So before we go, where yeah. can people follow you? Where can people find your work? Where can people come see you if they're in the San Diego area? Tell us how uh, how
0: the people can follow you. Sure. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. I believe it's at mariella. I upload a I try to keep it pretty authentic and pretty real there, so you'll 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 be able to see my life there. Yeah, it's at Music Mariela on Instagram, and then on Spotify you can find me as Mariela Contreras, and those are mainly my two biggest platforms right now. Um, I'm working up some good stuff with my band as well, so that that's still not out in public. It's in the works, um, but I'll keep you posted. You'll you'll see it.
1: Perfect. Sounds wonderful. Thank you again so much, and looking forward to the next one.
0: Thank you, David. Thank you so much.
1: The original interview in its entirety can be seen at the People Plus Art YouTube channel. Best of all, all of the music remains intact in that interview. You'll be able to see the original music videos that we talked about during the interview. And every time you share that video and a video is seen, That support goes directly back to the artist in that interview, meaning any money made from those videos doesn't go to the podcast. It goes straight back to the artist that you love. The podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and on Spotify as well as YouTube. So be sure to share, be sure to like, leave a comment and interact with the podcast directly on Instagram and tell me which artists you would like to see on the show next.